Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. So what comes to your mind when you think about spiritual warfare, Satan, demons, things like that? Uh, in our culture, there's a lot of... Uh, entertainment based around these topics. We have TV shows that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be wrapped around a psychic, and even as believers, we think that's kind of benign, no big deal, but that's that's a spiritual force that's at work in the world today. We, we see uh, movies and TV shows about witches and demons and all these things and think all oh, it's just entertainment, but we, we really need to understand that there is a very real and very powerful spiritual world that many of us are, to be honest with you, ignorant about. And so tonight we're going to begin an eight-week series entitled The Invisible War. We're going to look at what the Bible says about these topics. Uh, we live in a world where some people take spiritual warfare to, a, to an extreme. They blame Satan and evil and demons for everything. They get a flat tire on the way to work, Satan's attacking them. But people get upset about all kinds of things. Oh, I had a fight with my wife, the devil's attacking me. Oh, I, I got sick, that's a spiritual battle. They blame everything bad that happens on the attacks of Satan. There are other people that don't even believe that Satan exists or that demons work in our world today. And so we are, we are in a spiritual war. We need to understand that. Satan, demons, evil forces are very real and they're very active. Now, they're not as active as sometimes we like to give them credit for. You know, those people that think the, Satan's attacking them over everything, to be quite honest, they're probably not even on Satan's radar. And Satan doesn't need to attack them because they're too busy attacking themselves. But there are spiritual battles we need to be aware of. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, it gives us guidelines on how to win these spiritual battles. Now, we also need to understand we've already won the war. The spiritual war, if you're a child of God, you won. You're already victorious. Satan's already lost. But he's still going to fight you. He's still going to fight battles that we need to be aware of. And so when we talk about spiritual warfare and the Christian culture, there's a wide spectrum of belief. There are, there are people who get nervous when you start talking about spiritual things because you're, you're getting a little too out there, a little too charismatic, a little too maybe Pentecostal. And so they get nervous. And there are other people that talk about it all the time. Uh, there are people who you watch turn on the TV and entire TV shows are these pastors or ministers or whoever talking about these spiritual battles. They're writing books about these spiritual events and kind of over-spiritualizing everything. Uh, there are entire branches of Christianity that, that believes the Bible talks about spiritual warfare, talks about demons, talks about Satan, but that's for then. It doesn't apply to us now. That's kind of like a bygone era. Like, well, yeah, the Satan used to be active, but he's not active anymore. 
And so you see people talk about spiritual battles and they can sound crazy. And so it makes us wonder, what does the Bible actually say about Satan and demons and spiritual warfare? And so Ephesians 6 is the central teaching in the New Testament about spiritual warfare. And for the next eight weeks, we're going to examine it closely. But today we're going to look at uh, three verses. Look in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse number 10. <clears throat> Very common scripture. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirit principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, in these verses, there are two commands that are given. And we need to understand that they're not suggestions, they're not good advice from the Apostle Paul. They are commands given to us by God. Now, the first command is found in verse number 10. It is, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So, first of all, we see a general command. I think you've got a space there in your handout for a general command. So, whatever we know about this battle, it isn't getting enough, we, are not, we don't have enough strength to win it on our own. So this battle that we're facing, we are incapable of winning this battle. We are incapable on our own strength and our own power and our own ability to win these battles against Satan. And so the only way that we can win this battle is to be strong in the Lord, to use God's strength to help us win these battles. You cannot win it in your own strength and your own abilities. And so this command, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, it is in the present imperative tense, which means it is a command given to us and it's in the passive voice. Now the passive voice means that you can't do it on your own. The passive voice means that it is something that God does through you and for you. So you can't fight the enemy, you can't beat the enemy, you can't even have the strength to do it, so God, through, through you, gives you the strength to do it. So you have to allow God to do it through you, though, because it's a command that we have to obey. So what God is saying here is this. He's saying, allow yourself to be continually, continually strengthened by the power that is already made available to you in your new position and your new relationship with Christ. The power that we have in us is the power that raised Christ from the dead. That is the power that dwells in you. And with that strength, we can defeat the devil. But we have to, we have to allow God, to his power to dwell in us and to work through us enough that we can win these battles. We have to obey the command. So you have to allow God to work in your life in such a way that the power already in you gives you strength to win the battle. That's the first command. The general command is to be strong in the Lord and the power of his own might. But in verse number 11, there's another command. It is a specific command. A specific command. Look at verse 11 again. Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are told to put on the armor, and it's not our armor, it's the armor that God has given us. Put on the whole armor of God so we can stand our ground when the enemy attacks. God doesn't want us retreating. 
God doesn't want us fleeing from these battles. He wants us to be able to stand strong, win the battle, and not give up any ground in our, in our fights. So the armor of God is God's provision to help us win the battle because we've already won the war. Then this is a specific command. We obey by continually and repeatedly putting on spiritual protection that is provided for you. And the purpose of the protection, the reason God gives us this armor is so that you can hold your position in Christ as you are bombarded by the satanic, the satanic attacks and the schemes of Satan that are meant to destroy you. The verb used in this verse is different. It's in the middle voice, not the passive voice. It's in the middle voice. It is something you do for yourself at a specific time. <clears throat> the passive voice is something God does through you. The middle voice is something we have to do ourselves. So God gives us the strength to stand against the devil, but we got to put on the armor. We have to do the work to withstand the attacks of the devil. So God tells us to be strong. That's how we win. We have to put on the whole armor of God because the battle is all around you. Now, the word wiles there, it means schemes, strategies, and cunning arts. Satan is scheming to take you out of the battle. <clears throat> he, is, he is coming up with all kinds of plans and, and things to trick you and trip you up. He doesn't attack you head on. He always tries to, to trick you into doing wrong. Now, honestly, most people who, are, who walk with God and they're staying faithful to God and they're reading their Bible and they're praying, if Satan attacked them with a huge temptation, like I don't know all of your personal lives that well, but if Satan came up to you and tried to get you to do heroin, I think most of us would be able to withstand that attack. We'd be like, well, that's just stupid. Why would I do that? That's something. That's not something I want to do. Oh, we'll do some meth. Oh, that's good. I just I want to get rid of all my teeth. You know, these are these are blatant attacks that we just want to. Oh, I would never do that. So he tries to trick you to get you to the point where one day you could do something like that, but you never saw it coming. And it starts small. It starts with oh, I have a friend who you don't know, but they have a problem, and you get close to them and get buddy with them, and all of a sudden you start finding out they have an issue, and maybe they say, hey, you know what? It's, you know, don't start with heroin. Just 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 smoke this marijuana, that's no big deal, it's legal in most states anyway, what's the big deal? And so you oh yeah, it's no big deal. And so he's tricking you to get you to take small steps, to lose ground, so that you find yourself in position years down the road where you think, I never thought I would be here. You know, none of us, nobody starts out thinking, I'm going to destroy my life. It's just a series of small bad choices that lead somewhere. And we need to understand, every single one of us, we are just a few bad choices from destroying our life. We are a few bad choices from ending up somewhere where the rest of the people that know us in church will be like, I never thought they would do that. I never thought they would, they would do that to themselves. Why? Because Satan, he's tricking us. He's scheming to get us to slowly lose ground till we find ourselves in a position we never thought we would be in. So we have to stand against his, his attacks, his enemies. He is trying to tempt you. He is trying to deceive you. He's trying to get you to believe lies. He is trying to get you to draw, be drawn away from God and fill your heart with lies of Satan. And so to get, to get you to go after a good thing in the wrong way at the wrong time with the wrong person. He is slowly trying to trick you to take you out of the battle. So there's a specific command put on the whole armor of God. And then we see, thirdly, see the reason for the commands, the reason for 
the commands. So why do we got to do this? Why do we have to allow God's power to work through us? And why do we have to, at a specific time when the battle's coming, why do we have to put on the armor of God? Look at verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The reason we need to allow God's power to work through us The reason we need to put on the whole armor of God for the battle is because we are wrestling with the enemy. The word wrestle, he says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. The word wrestle there is the same Greek word they use when he talked about the battles uh, in the the Colosseum where the gladiators would come and they would hand-to-hand combat to the death. This isn't some playful wrestling match with your your buddy. This isn't some some fake... uh, what is the, the the World Wrestling Federation stuff, the WWF? You know, it's not some of that stuff. And look, I when I was a kid, I used to enjoy that stuff. Me and my brothers, I hope no one ever finds these tapes, but we used to have we used to make up our own characters. I was Madman Munch. I had a, a hockey mask, and that was my wrestling character. And we actually, man, one day we rented out a boxing uh, ring and videotaped. Oh, I need to find those tapes and destroy them. Uh, videotaped a wrestling match. And it was never real. You know, we never, no one got really hurt. People got a little hurt. But it's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying, oh, you're just, hit, you're just a playful little wrestling match. No, no, no. He says, you're fighting for your life. You're in hand-to-hand combat fighting to the death. And so that's why we need these things. Our battle is, and look, he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Look, your battle is not against your circumstances. Your battle is not against other people. It's not against an organization. It is not a battle with flesh and blood. It isn't a material issue. It is an invisible battle, a spiritual war that we are fighting, and it has a hierarchy of demonic powers that we're fighting against. So when Paul's readers, when they were reading this, they understood the demonic activity Paul was talking about. It was common during the day. He was telling them that the demonic battles, the demonic influences, it was a reality in their life because people tended to put blame on the wrong things. And we do the same thing. We think the problem is our spouse. We think the problem is our boss. We think the problem is, is our kids. It's our circumstances. It's our situation. And we don't understand what is truly behind them. There's an enemy that wants to use those things to destroy us. And look, we all make choices sometimes that have circumstances. We all make choices sometimes that, look, when I've told you all before, I used to build houses I used to build log cabins, and one day I was building a log cabin, and we were trimming out the log cabin, and it was, I was there, it was kind of finishing up the job, and I was out, out there in the woods all by myself, and we trimmed it out with half-inch pine. It was so thin and so soft, you could cut it with a razor knife, and so I'm cutting out a uh, piece of trim to go around a light switch, and a knife sl- uh, slipped, and I, I cut my arm. And as soon as I cut my arm, blood started going, <laughs> and I, 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 I thought I was going to, I called April on my cell phone, well, I mean, I had a Nokia brick. That's how long ago this was. I called April on my cell phone and said goodbye. Because I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm out in the middle of the woods. I'm by myself. I've just almost cut my arm off. I'm driving a five-speed truck, so I can't go anywhere. I'm going to die. And so I called her to say goodbye. Then I called 911 and I had to give them directions how to get there. And it's like, you go to the oak tree that was hit by lightning and take a left. And it took them a while to get it. Obviously, I didn't die. But I can't look at that and say, Satan was attacking me that day. No, that was a stupid decision I made, and I suffered the consequences for it. 
there are times you make choices and you suffer the consequences for those choices. Don't blame that on the enemy. That's not the enemy attacking you. That's you making bad choices. We live in a fallen world. And sometimes because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. Because we live in a fallen world, there's sickness, there's disease, there's hurt. And that may not, so we can't blame everything on demonic forces. But the danger is to think that everything, the danger is to think that everything has to do with Satan and demons, or to think that nothing has to do with Satan and the demons. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, when speaking about the reality of Satan and demonic activity, the danger is always twofold to put too much emphasis or too little emphasis on the battle. So tonight as we begin this study, I said we're going to look at five things, five truths from this passage. We're going to look at two tonight. We'll look at three next week. We're going to look at five biblical truths from this passage about the invisible war that we are fighting. First thing we're going to need to look at is there is an invisible world. There is an invisible world. The invisible world is not something of make-believe. It's not a fairy tale. It is just as real and just as powerful as the visible world. And we live in a, in a culture that wants to explain everything, that wants to test everything, and wants to have evidence of everything. But there is a world that you cannot see, and that world is just as real as the world that we see and feel and taste and touch and, and, and enjoy today. For centuries, people couldn't see bacteria, but bacteria was there. You know, you can't see electricity, but you see it working. You know it's there. Now, you can see the wires, but you can see the result of it, but you can't see the actual electrical current. But it's there. We know it's there. So just because you don't see it doesn't mean it isn't real. We see the spiritual world in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In 2 Kings, there's a prophet, Elisha. And he is, he's driving the king crazy with prophecies and, and preaching against him. And the king, he decides he's going to get rid of this prophet because he's getting on his nerves and he's causing too much trouble. So he gets his army together and they go to Elisha's house and they surround Elisha's house and they get ready for the battle and they get there at night and Elisha wakes up in the morning and the servant wakes up in the morning and the servant goes out in the, uh, in the morning to get some well from the water for coffee because all godly people drink coffee in the morning. Can I get an amen? And so he goes out to get coffee, water for the coffee, and the servant looks around and he sees this, this army surrounding the, surrounding the valley that they're in. He's freaked out. He's like, well, this was it. This is a good run. Now we're going to die. Goes in and tells Elisha, says, well, I just want to come in and say bye because uh, we're going to die. The king's got us surrounded here, and there's nothing that we can do. They, there's no hope. We're going to be destroyed. And in this passage, God wants us to understand that there are invisible realities that we don't see, but they're very real. Second Kings chapter 16, or chapter 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now I'm sure this, this prophet's servant was like, I know you're a preacher and all, but math ain't your good strong suit. There's one, two of me and you, and there's a whole bunch of them. So who's with us is not more than who's with them. We're going to die. But then he keeps continuing. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about 
Elisha. So the Old Testament here, it clearly documents an invisible world that is very real. Elisha prayed, and this servant had his eyes opened to this invisible world. Paul also tells about this world in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, For we walk not in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So the weapons that we are fighting this warfare with, they're not fleshly weapons. Now, we live according to the flesh. We walk in the physical world, but we battle in the spiritual realm. We battle in an invisible world. In Daniel 10, it shows us the connection between the visible world and the invisible world. Daniel, of course, he gets a vision. He doesn't understand. So he fasts and he prays for God to give him an answer. And 21 days later, God sends the answer. But after three weeks, an angel of God comes to him and tells him that as soon as he had prayed, that God heard the prayer on the first day and sent the answer But the angel was battling Satan to get the answer to Daniel. There is a battle in the invisible world, and it impacts the visible world. What Satan is doing in the world we can't see impacts what we're dealing with today. So there is an invisible world. Number two, we are involved in an invisible war. We are involved in an invisible war. This is a war that we are in. Now, we can't see it. But it's there, and it's a conflict that has eternal implications. So look again at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. If you got your Bibles, just a couple of chapters back there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, starting at verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So Paul is describing this world, and he says as we walk in this physical world, this physical realm, we are fighting a spiritual battle. And in verse 5, it takes it tells us where this battle takes place. Look at that again. Casting down every imagination, casting down imaginations and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity, what are the next two words? Underline those in your Bible. Every thought. The battle, the battleground for this invisible war is largely waged between your ears. It's largely a battle of the mind. If Satan can get your thoughts, he can get you to do anything. If he can get you thinking God doesn't love you, he can get you to walk away from God. If he can get you thinking no one's going to find out, he can get you to do anything that, you, that you, you feel like doing. It is a battle of the mind. It is an attack on your mind. Satan, the battle tells us, the Bible tells us, is the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He casts doubt on, his, on God. He casts doubt on the Word of God. He casts doubt on you. He wants you to believe his lies. And so when we battle the spiritual warfare, we are to tear down every thought that goes against the Word of God and hold them captive. Your mind, your belief system, your worldview is where the majority of the battle in the spiritual realm happens. In 2 Corinthians 4, the Bible says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The battle is for the mind. 
We tend to think the knowledge of God is an intellectual issue, but it's not. It's a, it's, not a, it's a spiritual and a moral issue. So Satan wants to blind the minds of unsaved people so they can't see and understand the truth of God and be saved. You know, in Jesus' life, he was, he was tempted just like we were tempted. He was tempted to not do the Father's will. That was a spiritual battle. He was fully man and fully God. He was tempted like us, but he didn't sin. That means that Jesus was tempted with lust. Jesus was tempted to quit. Jesus was tempted with depression. He was tempted with envy. He was tempted with anger. He was tempted with false beliefs and thinking that what he was doing for the redemption of mankind wasn't worth it. He agonized as a human over obeying the Father to the point that he was sweating blood. And what did he do to overcome it? He prayed to his Father. He asked his closest friends to pray for him. He told Peter that Satan was gunning for him and said, but I've prayed for you. Jesus walked with the Father in total dependence and the power of the Holy Spirit and he modeled for us what this battle looks like. When someone is being tempted or harassed by the enemy, Jesus' solution was to pray. Was to pray for them. You are involved in a visible in an invisible world that intersect and the war that is going on has eternal implications. The souls of men, the souls of women, the souls of children of every ethnic background are in the balance because the enemy is trying to blind their eyes, he's trying to dull their truth and their souls, and he's trying to take their lives and futures and everything about them is at stake, and he's attacking us to make us unable to go after them. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. It is a war that impacts eternity for good or for evil. So Satan and the spiritual warfare and his demons are very real, and we need to be aware of the spiritual war that we are fighting. But we can understand God has given us everything we need to win the battles we face. We just have to know how and when to use them. We're going to start looking at that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, we do thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to come together once again.